Hey friends, I am Karamo, television host and one of the Fab Five on Netflix's Queer Eye, where it's my job to make over the hearts and minds of the individuals we help. And I'm also the host of the Luminary original, Karamo, the podcast. This month, Luminary is continuing to amplify black voices by shining a spotlight on some of their favorite episodes. And I am so excited to have some of my episodes be featured. On this episode you're about to listen to, I will be talking about identity. And I'll be answering the question, should you deny your identity to please friends or family? See, many people I know who are biracial or who identify with a specific gender or sexual orientation feel as if they have to deny one part of their identity to maintain relationships with certain people in their life. But is that right? And how do you walk into spaces holistically, not hiding any part of your identities? Well, my friend, actress Logan Browning from the hit Netflix show, Dear White People, joins me to discuss her experience of navigating her identities. But before we start this episode, I want you to remember, you can listen to more of me and lots of other great shows by going to luminary.link slash black voices. Again, that's luminary.link slash black voices. But first, let's start talking and growing around the subject of identity with actress Logan Browning. From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Karamo. I am your host, Karamo. And on this episode, I'm going to be talking about identity, particularly racial and cultural identities, and the challenges that people experience when it comes to expressing their identity in a world that doesn't always respect people's differences. Because let's be real, y'all, people judge what they don't understand. So on this episode, I want to dive deep into people's lived experience, dealing with judgment based on their identity. And I also want to know from all of you, do you think that someone can equally live in different worlds when it comes to their identities? Or do you think they must choose one or the other to be happy? We all have different feelings on this topic and everyone's opinion is welcome. So to get this conversation started, I'm going to be first briefly speaking with a woman who hit me up in my DMs by the name of Pooja. Pooja says she needs my advice because she is experiencing judgment based on her Indian and American identities from family and friends, and she doesn't know what to do. Don't worry, Pooja, I got you, girl. But after that, I'm going to be speaking with actress Logan Browning from the hit Netflix show, Dear White People, who is going to share her experience of being biracial and the anxiety she felt growing up around her dual identity. But then she'll share with us how her identity now shapes her as an adult and as an actress. So without further ado, let's start talking and growing, friends. Hey, friends! Pooja, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So you moved here at 15, and what was it like once you moved to the States? It was strange, because <laughs> we moved to middle of nowhere, Maryland first. Yeah. What was it like for your parents from your memory of when they moved here? Was it hard for them? I imagine so. Uh, I know they became very different people. They started to guard their culture, where they perceived of what they need to guard of their culture in us in a way that they never did before. Mm-hmm. But at that point for me, I was like, I'm a person already. Like, yeah. It's too late to put you back in the box. So. That, let me tell you something. Again, I tell people all the time, yeah. I'm, I come from the school of Oprah, right. and I love when I hear things that are like really phenomenal. You putting that in that way, I'm a person already. Yeah. I think is a great way for parents to really hear and to understand. Because sometimes we think, mm-hmm. they're my child, they're always going to be my child. But we forget, even at 13, 14, 15, yeah. 
I'm a person already. Yeah. You know, uh, yes, I will respect your point of views mm-hmm. and I will listen. But at this point, I'm making my opinions and I'm I'm figuring out what works best for me. I think that's such a beautiful way to put that. Yeah. And I mean, they're they're not as uptight about things anymore, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they will still say things like, oh, you know, it was a part of our childhood. You wouldn't know. And I'm like, no. I know. Yeah, I, was I know. There. That was part of my childhood, too. Yeah. And it's like a convenient restructuring in their head that, you know, that they have to shame us about not being in the culture anymore to mm-hmm. keep us in the culture, mm. not realizing that. Shaming you yeah. <laughs> to be in the culture because they think you're not in the culture anymore. Yeah. Wow. So I had to call them out pretty often, and our relationship was very tumultuous through college, and I was like, you have to trust me, you know how inculcated in the culture I am. I I understand our language, our literature, everything, more than any other Indian kid of my peer group, even you know. Mm-hmm. So I know now you're in a space where there's another conflict where you feel like you don't belong in either world. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, and I was thinking about it further today. I felt like there's so many factions of people who claim the Indian identity who just all kind of don't think I'm Indian enough. Uh, which didn't matter to me because I don't need them to define what that is for me. But when you're looking for... But it's still hurtful. For, it's still hurtful. It is. It's more hurtful now. You will want to have conversations where you want to empathize and share some pain. Yeah. You know? And then they will say things like, but you're fine. You're a citizen now. I'm like, yeah, two months ago. You know? Yeah. And that's not set in stone. Like, they'll literally hand it to you and they're like, we can take it away if we want, you know? There's a term um, called ABCD. I don't know if you're familiar with I'm it. I'm not. Tell me it's what that means. American-born confused Daisy. Daisy is the word for what Indians call themselves. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people that I that came here as students that I met in college, who I identify with more because we have the same cultural childhood touch points, they always called me that because my accent had changed. And so I'll say something. They're like, "Oh, you're just a ABCD. What do wow. you know? You know that things ex- like that." That's extremely hurtful. Yeah. yeah, I'm still friends with some of these people. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the thing is, is that I I would never knock you for being friends with them because the thing is, is that as we grow, we start to figure out benchmarks in our mind mm-hmm. of what malicious behavior we believe we can accept because of the need or desire not to lose a relationship. And so we justify like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're calling me ABCD because, okay, but it doesn't take away the fact, even though you've created this benchmark, that right. it's still hurtful. They're basically saying just because your accent changed or just because mm-hmm. of whatever privilege you have now from your words, that somehow that takes away from your cultural experience right. and who you are. Yeah. How do you ever respond to that? Depends on the context, I suppose, that they're saying that. So when someone says to you, A, B, C, D, what do you normally say? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. And why do you think you don't say anything? What's the point? I know who I am. <laughs> you know who you are, and I, I see that. But just because you know you are doesn't mean that you should accept hurtful things. I mean, I think the defense that comes to my mind in that moment is you have this chip on your shoulder for being Indian, more Indian than me. And the things that you think make you more Indian than me are just such surface things. Yeah. I could tell you in so many more ways that I miss India and I have for 17 years. I'm a citizen here, but I will always, that's home. 
Okay, now I'm crying. It's all right. But I'm not going to go into that with them. You know, that's for me. Most of them are close friends. They know. It's not like they don't know if they're still going to make casual remarks like that. And despite everything, you know, there are other reasons. You're, you stay friends with them. There's genuine affection. And uh, yeah. they've been there for me during hard times. So I hence me worrying it's petty. Yeah. Well, I will tell you right now it's not petty. You know, for me, one of the best tools I've ever learned is when I hear stuff people say, I always say to myself in my mind, or I even say it out loud, you're on your journey. Yeah. Here's some education when you're ready to have a conversation because you're at the part of your journey where you're ready to read this book. Let's talk. Yeah. And that's really what it is. You know, and so to some degrees, you deciding to choose yourself mm-hmm. is the healthiest thing because that's what you're doing. You know, I, I don't like when we say cut people off because it sounds like, oh, I would never talk to you again, but I get a sense from your personality, you would talk to them again if they could find the education to understand and truly be empathetic. But remember to yourself, their experience and how they judge you is not right. I just hope that even though you've done it before and it hasn't worked out, you continue to find the courage to speak up because no one should ever dismiss your cultural experiences just because you live in America or you've had more privilege or you've married someone who's outside of your culture. What I, I appreciate you coming in today. Thank you so much. Because what I think is great is I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot about your experience and what you've been through and really help them to maybe find the courage to have those conversations in their lives, but also to have people think both part of your culture and people who are outside of your culture of next time I'm in this space, maybe I shouldn't say these things because my words are really hurting somebody and devaluing their experience in their culture. So thank you. Thank oh, you. Can I have a hug? Yeah. Mm. A first-generation immigrant should feel comfortable merging their cultures or accepting which parts of culture they want to and not feel bound to stay wholly within one and or wholly within another. That's like the beauty of what is quote unquote American culture. It's parts of everything and you should be able to take however much of that you want and be comfortable with that. My mom actually moved here from the Philippines, but she moved here when she was very young and ingratiated herself into the American way of life pretty quick. And so that I was just born that way. I think people need to stay true to who they are. I think if you're at a traditional family event or something, then yeah, you kind of play ball and, and you do those things. And I think that if you grew up in that, that those should be something that you value as well. I don't think it needs to be mutually exclusive. I think you should be able to live within both worlds. So friends, I'm super excited because I am joined by someone who drove all the way to my house and I live far out. (laughs) So anytime someone comes all the way to my house, I'm like, I really mess with you. You really are family. I'm joined by the beautiful, the talented, the very, very interesting Logan Browning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for making this trek. Um, You are somebody that I've met many times throughout like the Netflix events. And also, I'm such a big fan of your work from... Um, when you were a dancer, <laughs> that <laughs> was my favorite VH1, hit the floor days, <laughs> to uh, Dear White People, obviously. Those are both just two different characters, and but both dynamic, 
But then what has always been interesting about you is that every time I see you, you're always so sweet and bubbly. And then before the end of the night, you'll drop some knowledge and then walk away. <laughs> That's yes. like your go-to. I I'm appreciate like, that. You do. You always <laughs> like. And it's like sometimes some deep stuff or even like it's deep but not really deep. You'd be like, you know, it's time to wrap it up. And I'm like, you know what? That's just like something as simple as that is like a conscious mention of like, you know, you don't be here too long. Yeah. Like, you need to go. And mm. I'm always like, thank you, Logan, for like <laughs> just dropping some knowledge on me. You know what I love about what you said is that like Netflix has really made a family. Like yeah. I just feel like anyone who's on any other Netflix show, whether they're the talent or the director or oh, yeah. the writer or producers, like I feel like I can walk up to them and just strike up a conversation and it feels like a college campus kind of thing. But yep. mm-hmm. you're like, we don't have the same major, but yes. I feel That's like I can just come, you know, introduce myself and yeah. say hi. I got to tell you, when I met your cast, it was the happiest moment for me <laughs> um, because I don't got no black people on my cast. So my cast are great. We love them. I love them. We're best friends. But there's times when we're driving in the car and I have to be like, oh, let me explain this to you. And I have to go through an explanation of something in pop culture and something about the way one of our heroes is wearing her hair about like something. And I remember the first time I met you and your cast, we were all at the Netflix party and I was dancing in the middle of (laughs) y'all. And someone came up to me and was like, oh, are you part of Dare White People cast too? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I did. So what what is that like being in a cast for you where it's like your identity doesn't need to be explained? Ah, I think I take it for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, hearing you say that, I think I really do take it for granted because it's so easy. Yeah. It's so easy. You wake up, you go to work, you have obviously you have fun too. You but you go to work and you yeah, you don't think about, you know, what I'm gonna have to teach anybody today. You don't really think about who's gonna cross me the wrong way. Amen. Like you just it, it feel it, it feels like that real college campus. It really does. Mm-hmm. Just cause we're all, you know, we're playing that same age and and you're dealing with topics that have to deal with race and so any negative energy is put into the work, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we everyone's really supportive. I, I think I'm in awe because everyone's so talented. Yeah. And I feel like I'm working with these young people in the beginning stages of these like rocket ship careers, which is incredible to think about because they're already doing such great work. And so it's like, wow, this is just the beginning for you. Like even if you've done work before now, I'm just watching my comrades like, wow, I'm I'm I just feel really lucky to be around them. But I mean, our lunch, our lunch times are like, (laughs) it's like high school. It's not even like college. It's like high school because we're like, everyone's like making beats. We're singing the gospel music. It's just, it's, it's easy. Can you just teach me how to act so then I can just get a small role just so I can be on set for one day. That's you don't all need I'm any asking. lesson. I know that Justin would bring you on the show in a heartbeat. <sighs> I like, ah. Oh. I mean, it sounds really beautiful, and I love that you actually have that experience. Have you ever felt less than in your life or in your career? And if you have, can you tell me about it? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, how do you deal with it when you feel less than? I sit in it, honestly. Like, I always say I, I like to not run from the moments that feel like darker moments in my life because I think that sometimes when any kind of darkness comes our our tendency is to like run away from it Mm -hmm. because it's scary because we don't want to feel it but like it came right Mm -hmm. and so I acknowledge it and I I kind of equate it to 
this metaphor I have of a photograph being developed in a dark room. Mm -hmm. And so that mm. photograph, that film, you know, it has to sit in a dark room and develop for a certain amount of time before you see that full beautiful picture. And if you leave it out in the light for um, a period when it needs to develop, then it stays exposed, mm. right? And it never really gets to become what it could have. This is good, Logan. Oh, you just took me to church. Hold on. I come from the school of Oprah. I like to repeat when there's something powerful. Don't run from the dark. I think that is like such a simple way of putting and then also the example you put with the exposure of like a photograph developing in a dark room. That's such a beautiful thing of like, don't be afraid of the dark. Like it's okay to be in this moment and get what you need in this moment to learn. Wow. It's there for you. You don't stay in the dark room, right? You, yeah. you eventually need to get the photo out and mm -hmm. see it, and you have to bring it back into the light to see what you created. There's, yeah. It's not just staying in there, you know? When I'm feeling any kind of anxiety, any kind of depression, any kind of less than, any kind of lower than, I'm like, okay, let's assess this. What's real? Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling? That's real. How you feel is always real. But what's real in this situation? What's going on? What's making you feel this way? And is it is the what's making you feel this way, is that thing real? If I'm feeling like I'm not being accepted by the people around me, yeah. is that true? Is it? Are those people's acceptance what means the most to me mm -hmm. in life? Yeah. Is it? Is it true? Yeah. You know, not saying yes or no, that it can be or shouldn't be, but like, for me, if it's that kind of specific thing, I go, okay, God, number one, that's who needs to accept me. Mm -hmm. Well, God, does God accept me right now and always? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's step one. Yeah. Uh, my, who else? My family, do they accept me? Yeah, they do. Actually, I'm really blessed that way. Cool. Yeah. Let's check that off. You know? Yeah. And if the answer is no, I go backwards and I go back up to God. Like if I get down into these people, okay, these people are not accepting me. Let me go back up. Okay. God accepts me. I accept me. Cool. This is what's real. Yeah. I know in an interview, you had said that it was the first time you ever admitted that you were adopted. You said that you were raised by two black parents. So when people are like, oh, are you mixed? Your mindset doesn't go there. You know, I thought it was very interesting when you said in that interview with Charlemagne that you, though you were adopted and you never discussed it, you had you've never seen yourself as biracial or mixed or I don't know what the proper term is because of the fact you had black parents. How has that affected your identity as you walk <laughs> through the world? Like, I, I'm, I'm being real with that. Like, I'm, just, I, you know. I'm laughing because <laughs> that's my real reaction because it's, it's been a laughing matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like the bluest eye. Yeah. Uh, Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. Which I love. Yeah, the main character is a, when she's a little girl, she doesn't realize that she's black until someone shows her a photograph and she's like, oh, I'm different, I'm not this. So I'm looking out, right? As, a, as I'm growing up, I'm looking out and everything I see around me is blackity black black, right? Yeah. It's black this, black <laughs> that, black that. That's what I see in my world. I don't see like a white parent. I don't see a white cousin. I don't see, like that's my world. Yeah. My parents told me I was adopted very young, but I found this file when I was about 13 that told me that my biological mother was white and that my father was black. It really rocked my world because those are your formative years, you know? Mm -hmm. And even getting that information, it didn't change that when I walked around my house, you know, and, and went places with my family, like this is what I, this was my culture, this was my world. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I'm in, I'm finally in therapy now as an adult, but that was the first time in my life where I remember having severe anxiety 
And I started doing something called hair pulling. It's called trichotillomania. Yes, and I know about it. That is not a fun way to deal with your anxiety and you don't pick it. Yeah. You don't pick something like that. It kind of chooses you. I remember going to school with like parts of my eyelashes missing or parts of my eyebrows missing. And like kids don't understand. Kids were so mean and it only triggered more anxiety yeah. because it was something that I didn't know how to stop doing it. Like, And I was never officially diagnosed with it. This was all me like doing it and then looking online and being like, what is this thing that I'm doing? Yeah. Is anybody else doing it? And mm -hmm. that's how I figured it out. Yeah. And it's funny because my therapist was the one who helped me figure out that all of those things were connected. I never connected the dots on those things that in that formative year of 13, figuring out, learning more about my actual adoption and learning that I was biracial is what triggered this immense anxiety as a kid. Because I remember being like, why Why am I so, like, what's wrong with me? Like, yeah. am I crazy? And I was like, no, you just got this crazy new information yeah. as a kid and you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. You don't know how it affects your identity. And so I will say I'm very grateful for Dear White People because it's the first time I've played... I think I've played a biracial character in dealing with Sam being biracial. And then I deal with Logan and I'm like, I don't identify as biracial, but biologically I am. Yeah. Am I the same as her? Am I different from her? And, and like seeing where the, where those parallels happen and then seeing where they, they, they're not connected has been so interesting and eye opening for me and for me to, at the end of the day, like I want to accept every part of my identity. So at the end of the day, there is a part of me that has to accept that biologically I am biracial. Yeah. Like I can't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you, like that is what you are. But culturally and the way I grew up, also the way I identify is, is black. And people who are biracial, if they're black in something, you're black. Yeah. Like that yeah. is that. Yeah. And That's the American way. <laughs> yeah. If you got a black an ounce of black in you, then you black. You're black. Yeah. It's so interesting because what it's really given me personally is that my identity is my yes. identity. It's specific mm. to me. And I don't have to try to fit it in a box for anybody else. And I'm not like anybody else unless they identify with me. Unless they yeah. want to be like, hey, I'm like Logan. Cool. But I don't have to fit myself into your identity box. Amen. And that has been so liberating for me in every way, even like, you know, going outside of race. Like it just started there in terms of being able to conceptualize it. Yeah. I didn't grow up thinking about being adopted because I have the most amazing family. Yeah. My mom, the way she the way she was raised and what she tells me is not everybody has to know everything. People are not entitled to know everything about you. you. Better, that's the truth. You don't have to tell everybody to. everything. Yeah. And it doesn't make you ashamed of who you are. No. And it's like, no, I have the option to let you into my life or aspects of my life when I want to. And it doesn't make me ashamed. People want to know. And I and I don't I don't fault them for wanting to know because we're curious. We're also yeah. curious and like you want to know about someone's story because well, so that's the that's the tricky part is sometimes people do it for for great, compassionate, I'm curious reasons, and sometimes people do it because they want to know how they can hurt you. Yeah. How did people try to hurt you with knowing your identity? You know, I don't even think that people tried to hurt me. I think that I was hurt. Mm. And I think that anybody saying things, they couldn't have even know, they, they couldn't know how it was hurting me. Yeah. Like my Wikipedia changed. Literally something as simple as that. And yeah. now there's like information on my Wikipedia that I'm like, that was never there. Now I color it with the idea that I can never take it back. Yeah. Even though I'm the one who gave it, it feels like a violation. Do you feel like it takes away the life you have with your parents? 
Not your birth parents, but yeah. with your parents. I treasure being black. I treasure my culture. I treasure the, the pride that I have. But ultimately, like, my blackness has nothing to do with, like, the, the temperature of my skin. It has nothing to do you with, you know, actually who my biological family was. Like, it has everything to do with the fact that I am what I am and also that I lean into my culture. Yeah. I love that you said my blackness has nothing to do with the temperature of my skin. People always like to question my blackness because my fiance is the first white man I've ever dated. Mm. I never dated anyone white before, not because I had any problem with white people, but because I was just so proud to date black men. Yeah. It was like, I love black men. And yeah. like, this is, we, this is us. And then I found one that I was like, this is going to last one night. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been together now for 10 years, about to get married. And my friends who know me before are always like, we never saw this coming. But then, as you said before, somehow when you get into the spotlight, people feel like now that they have more parts of you, they can now challenge you. And so I understand how you want to protect that part of your, you know, yourself. Like, I loved protecting my blackness and being like, listen, you're never going to question me about black history or black, like how much I love my community or what I'm going to do for them. And then all of a sudden when I, I remember I posted the first photo of he and I, and then all of a sudden people were like, oh, we knew this was coming. And I don't know why that comment was a dagger to me, but it hurt me. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. And it is sad that people, that's not where their minds go. They don't go, oh, wow, he's in his complete authentic truth because he's in love and like, this is his person. They go, how can I tear it down? But no one like gives you a blueprint of how to navigate people challenging all of your identities, not just your race, your sexuality, the way you, just anything you do that's part of who you are, no one talks about how to navigate your identities. How do you navigate that in the public eye? Because I agree, no one tells you. And, and no one thinks about, like, it's not just ourselves, it's our people. Yeah, family too. Yeah, mm -hmm. no one, like, no one, there's no warning. And I started it so young that, like, couldn't have known. And that's why I always, when I see other young people who are like trying to start any kind of anything in the public eye, I'm like, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't know. Like, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Because <laughs> you just don't know. Yeah. And like, and you, and like I said, like there's some things and you just can't get it back. Once you give it away, you can't get it back. Mm -hmm. Everything you do, do it with a bit of consciousness because everything you say, say it with a bit of consciousness because mm. you cannot take it back. Even if you're not in uh, in the public eye, you know what I mean? Like even in your relationships, so you yeah. can say something to somebody and you can say, I'm sorry later. But when you say it, you say it. Everything you do, do it with a bit of consciousness and everything you say, say it with a bit of consciousness. That's dope. You got them gems. Oh, See, this is what I'm talking about. Hey. This is what I said earlier. Hey. You don't even realize it because you just like just spit it out. And I'm like, that's like really profound. And just it's 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 obviously something that we should know, but when you hear it eloquently, so put so eloquently, it's really beautiful. So yeah, yeah. Um, I have to say something else before we end this, because this has been an extraordinary conversation. Your openness has been great. I don't want to dive into this because I don't want to get too personal about this, but thank you for sharing what you said about um, when you were going through the anxiety with your um, um, finding out you were adopted and you shared about hair pulling mm -hmm. because that's something I find out in my DMs. People hit me up around the world and they always are like, I'm going through this. This is how I'm dealing with it by either pulling my hair, cutting myself, doing certain things. And I don't think enough people know that 
they're not alone. Mm-hmm. That it's because it's it's a solitary thing. You know, you're in your room or whatever. And I think having someone share that and say, I went through it and I've grown through it, I think is very positive. So I just wanted to say thank you for that, that little yeah. piece right there. But when we have conversations like this and can just show our truths, it just, I think, inspires other people to know that you're not alone. You can be great. You know, if you're feeling something, there's help out there. There's things you can do to manage it. And no one's perfect. And we all have our ways of dealing with stress and anxiety and our identities and the way we go through this world. But when we talk about it with those we love and when we feel safe is when things get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. Um, well, everyone, y'all, in your house, in your car, wherever you are, give it up for Logan. Aww. She's amazing. Thank you Thank so much you. for being here. Thank you. I don't think children should have to give away American culture to please their parents who may be of immigrants from another country. I think it's important and tough to fit in anyway in this country. And I think it's just uh, setting boundaries with your family with any situation. Our American life is pretty much how we live on a day-to-day basis. And our family doesn't feel comfortable with that. I think there should be a conversation with our parents or with our relatives that we live with. And maybe come to like a medium to not totally leave our culture behind, but also try to explain to them the way, you know, we live. It's not totally different than the way they live, you know. But then again, also maybe educate ourselves on our culture history so we don't lose it completely. I want to start off by thanking Pooja for sharing her story, everyone who called in and shared their feelings on this topic, and lastly, the brilliant and beautiful Logan Browning for coming on the show and being so open and transparent. Listen, friends, what I know to be true is that conversations around our identities, whether it's your culture or race, can feel toxic or hurtful when those you love don't understand or challenge you. But it's our job to understand that first, your feelings and experiences are valid. So don't shy away from expressing how you feel. It's okay to respectfully educate others. Secondly, find someone who understands your point of view, who can support you in educating people in your life on your feelings and experiences. And lastly, it's okay to live your life how you want. That means if there is one part of your identity that resonates with you more, it's okay to gravitate towards that. Feeling misunderstood hurts, but losing your happiness because you're denying who you truly want to be will hurt even more in the long run. I also want to say on the flip side, if you are someone who has made comments to someone else about their racial or cultural experience, I want you to understand this. By shaming or judging someone, you are not making them feel more eager to understand your feelings or to be a part of your cultural or racial experience. Listen, I get it. Immigrants are founded in their fears that their culture could be lost, which is scary AF. But it's about education and trusting that your children or those in your family have learned enough about your culture and value it based on what you shared with them so that they want to be a part of it. At the end of the day, thoughtful and empathetic conversations where people educate, not attack, is where connection and growth happens. 
So if you want people to understand where you're coming from, talk to them, educate them, and be respectful, friends. As always, thank you, friends, for listening and growing with me. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Pinella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. All music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us. What a beautiful episode. I love talking and growing with such extraordinary human beings. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, join me over on Luminary, where you can hear more seasons of my show. I talk to people whose point of views will inspire you and help you grow, such as my Queer Eye castmates, Jonathan Van Ness, Tan France, Anthony Porowski, and other people like Laverne Cox, Russell Brand, and so many more. So remember, visit luminary.link slash blackvoices. That's luminary.link slash black voices. And thank you for talking and growing with me, friends.